Welcome to Do Not Listen to This Podcast. I have one of my favorite people on today as a guest, one of my favorite Canadians. I'm a big fan of Canadians. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Thanks, Roger. Uh, I am a Canadian, otherwise known as Canadian. Yes. And yes, so I'm Glendalyn Dixon, and I work with clients and guide them through change management initiatives. I also focus on leadership, both in the business analysis program at Fanshawe College and teaching leadership communications for Western University, both located in London, Ontario. There you go. So don't forget, thanks for supporting Do Not Listen to this podcast. Half of your donations go to Feeding Street Cats and Dogs, and we will get into the show. So why don't you, when, I, when we're talking about leadership, or when I talk with leadership about different people, I always like to hear how they define it, because I don't think there's really any one single definition of leadership. So what's your take on what leadership is? And also what leadership is not. I think that's excellent because leadership has nothing to do with your title or role. Most people are informal leaders at some point in their career. They're the person people turn to for advice, for guidance. They might help people with their careers. They might help people navigate situations even if they don't have someone reporting to them directly. And one of the things that drives me crazy are all of those memes that you'll see on LinkedIn, you know, a leader is this, a manager is that. Right, right, right. all that nonsense, nonsense. And it's, it is garbage because you have to also know how to manage people and that's a bad word management bad 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 except it's the reality leadership qualities are not the same as having to ensure everybody has their vacation and you have coverage and that the workflows are happening uh, you need to do both i think the easiest way to say what leadership isn't is any single person that puts their own success at all times above everyone else you're not a leader. Doesn't matter if you mm. have the title of CEO, yeah. you're not a leader. I think that's really good. And I think you're hitting on a good point about how people like to attack management as if being a manager is a bad thing. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, so what, what do you think are some qualities of good managers and, and bad managers, um, you know, from a leadership perspective? Okay, one of the things that I always go to is that, again, since a leader doesn't necessarily have direct reports, right. a manager does. So that's a very clear-cut delineation right. right there. And if you are somebody who has people reporting to you, what is your plan for that team? Mm. If you are building a fence around that team, you are going to hoard those people and resources to yourself. You are afraid to develop them because others might find them now an attractive resource. That's a bad manager. Or they might so take me, your or they might take your manager job. <laughs> like the best quality of a manager is somebody who ensures that their team is able to grow and deliver the way they need them to do in their current role and is also setting them up for success, whether it's 
growing on their team or recognizing that they've got qualities that would be attractive elsewhere in the organization, at the very least, you're not holding somebody back because you're insecure. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, the success thing is also an interesting topic to talk about because I think most companies fail to define what success is for, for them. So how would, if, if a client was coming to you, how would you help them to define success or failure? Well, I mean, obviously there's gonna be a lot of situational uh, yeah. Yeah, elements to that. However, in general, again, if we're sticking with the idea of leadership and management and success, yeah. I love when I see managers who are, what I call they're developing a funnel of talent for the organization. Mm. So once again, let's just be straightforward. Somebody's paying you a paycheck as a manager. That paycheck is not for you to hoard resources and mm -hmm. only to focus on yourself. It is for the success of the organization, the health of the organization. And if you get known as a manager who creates a funnel of talent, so you're constantly bringing in and identifying people who are not only going to be successful on your team, but who could then transition internally. And an internal transition is fantastic because you can have that happen over a longer time period. You have the ability for them to job shadow. There's less risk when they move into that role. Right. I think most organizations value those people because they're putting the organization and the right people first. So it's not just prioritizing the company over people. It's bringing in the right people who are gonna support the company and who feel supported because you are secure enough in your position as a manager to recognize that they have talent that expands beyond your particular team. Why don't you give an example of what you think is bad leadership? You know, bad leadership, I think it all comes down to insecurity, mm. which we all have. So, Again, the first time that I was in charge of actually having a direct report, I made tons of mistakes. I had not invested in training. I didn't understand. And we're all gonna have those moments of insecurity. It's what we do with those and whether we grow through them. So core leadership, a great example is, you already mentioned, being afraid that someone on your team is gonna take your job. Yeah, right, it's gonna make sense. I've had, I've had that manager that yeah. literally told me to my face, they did not trust me because they thought that I was going to take their job. Uh, so what do you do with yeah, that? How do you, what do you, how, I mean, yeah, what do you do with that? <laughs> you leave the company. Yeah, no, I think that's right. You have to, that's where it's like, a, it's a no brainer. And say. I've seen that at the, at the CEO level, president level where their own insecurities derail you know, the morale of an entire organization. They took away fun events because they were so insecure. They thought the departments were making fun of them, right. which they weren't, but they just allowed that to, they based business decisions on insecurity that was personal instead of getting perhaps the help they needed to get them through that. Right. And what, so if you were to predict a trend in leadership, 
now that we're, you know, in year two of, of the global changes of life, um, what, what do you see happening? What changes do you see happening in leadership in the next year, two, three? I see two things. Now, I don't have a crystal ball, so thankfully no one should be betting money on any of my predictions. <laughs> um, I don't think leadership betting is something we've got available. Leadership betting could be a big deal. We could make some money here. <laughs> it could be. So the first thing I see is that we still have this trend, once again, what started our topic, we still have this trend of manager bet. Right. And the reality is that the pendulum was really far to the, you know, let's not even talk about people as people. Mm. We're just going to work them, you know, grind, grind, grind. Yeah, the, re the resource, swing, the resource yeah, approach. It, it swung the other way to the point where leaders or managers were afraid to actually now manage their people. They thought they were, they were so afraid of being that micromanager, but what they've right. done is they've left their teams unsupported. They don't know what direction they're headed. They're not involved at any degree with the day-to-day. -day, and so that actually is really yeah. bad for the person too. So I hope, it's not a prediction. I would hope to see that that's, pendulum comes back a little bit to understand the value of people management as a discipline and supporting the team. The other thing that I hope to see is going forward, some organizations are starting to go back to work, depending where you're at in the world at some right. point, there will be employees that are headed back on site there will be teams that remain a combination of right. on-site, off-site. And the recognition is that regardless, we don't know for how long. Yeah. Once you come back, you don't know. Yeah. And most managers are going to require mental health supports, yeah. not just for themselves, but for their teams. For their teams. Because they're going, and I'm not saying that they're going to be trained mental health professionals it's no no tapping in yeah tap to those resources that are yeah. available to you and if your company doesn't give them look up your local government uh find free resources online because your teams are going to be constantly dealing with uncertainty yeah yeah you know we're we're you know one of the things with the work from home stuff is that you know people don't like to admit it, but a lot of people liked going to work because they got to escape from their home life. And that was taken away. And, you know, so hopefully they've survived that and they've settled up and now they, you know, can accept their home life in a way. So then it becomes the issue of, well, do I really want to go back? Or do I just and want to work I, from home? I, well, and the challenge is with that again. Yeah, I, I'm a work from huge. home person. Huge, yeah. So, there's a lot of benefits. I think we're pretty used to hearing about all the benefits of staying at home now. If you right. have the ability and a nice area to work that's private, you don't have to right. try to assist your children with homeschooling and all of those issues. However, and this is particularly true for females, the decision to stay at home, you must also weigh the consequences for your future. We are a relationship-driven uh, 
you know, society, when it yeah. comes to promoting people, when it comes to advancing your career, if it was to come down to the person that you interact with on a regular basis and see how they uh, interact with others, you see their performance and somebody that's completely par, but who you have only seen on a Zoom screen for a year and a half. Yeah. Our nature is going to be to go with the relationship that we've built yeah. because we feel we could trust them in situations more so than the other person, well, fair and, or not. Yeah, and that the out of sight, out of mind thing really kicks in then. Absolutely. And the reason I call out females in particular is once again, if you have small children, the data shows us that it's the females that are staying home and doing the work from home that are right. more apt to gravitate to that and not go back into the head office. Right. And unfortunately, although there's all those benefits, and I'm not saying it's not the right decision, right. not everybody has to be no, you know, a, aiming for their office, but it's different. It's a different choice for everybody. Yeah understand that there are also potential negative impacts that we are yet to see transpire, but that are looming when it comes to progression. I hope there's a trend towards self-management and self-leadership. Forcing people to step up in organizations. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I mean, being, this is one thing that I do try to encourage I know uh, with some of my students as well, they're adult learners, but just the idea of self-motivation and that really leads into us, I believe, into the idea of self-management and stepping right. up is that waiting for somebody to leave the breadcrumb trail, the breadcrumb trail for you is not yeah. always going to happen. No, it's not, it's not going to happen. And, you know, that's how people demonstrate their ability to step in and lead in person. And it's just as applicable in the virtual world as well. What's the difference that you notice between real world leadership stuff and teaching it in the classroom? Well, I don't know that there is much. I do try very hard personally to bring in the real world experiences mm -hmm. and not just have everything be theoretical. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, and what's great in the classroom is that I work with leaders of all different levels with lots of different industry backgrounds and experiences. So, you know, we'll have folks from a unionized environment. We might have executives. We might have people in industries like healthcare that are going through so much transformation. Mm. And so the fact that they can come together and share their experiences is good. And yeah, because it isn't, there's no one perspective. Yeah, no, it's like, it's, it's a safe space. It's, you know, it it's, is. A, it's like a rehab. <laughs> well, and also the idea that there's never one right answer. Yeah. Yeah, that's Every right. Every situation is going to be different. You have, even if you're leading a team, the fact is you have a team of individuals. So you can't even lead each individual the same as you would everyone else on your team. Yeah. They're going to have different things that motivate them different ways that they communicate and interact and engage. So I try to ensure that that is presented in the classroom, but I think what's great is when everyone else presents their experience and perspective so that we can cover as much breadth of what right. it means to be a leader as possible. 
What, what questions do they bring up in the classroom setting? Quite often questions would be, you know, uh, they'd be very situationally specific. Sure. Yeah, this is absolutely. where, this yeah, yeah. is what I'm facing. How could I have done, a, you know, how could I communicated this better? Right. Um, but a lot of the questions for, if I was to just pick general topics, um, feedback is one that tends to get a lot of engagement is when we start talking about ways to provide feedback because there's mm -hmm. been such bad advice over the years, you know, say something really, good, say something really bad, bad something really bad advice, <laughs> really bad advice yes. on feedback. What, 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 what's your favorite feedback form? Um, I really like the SBI model, which is where you make sure that you're focusing it on the situation and behavior. You're not making it personal. So, you know, Roger, you're not a bad person. It's Roger, last week in the meeting, I noticed that you cut Julie off when she was talking. Yeah, I didn't like her the attitude. I didn't like her attitude. The impact of that <laughs> yeah, was that exactly. it shut her down. And so she didn't. Well, she, good. She no longer good. I'm sick of her. I'm sick of her. <laughs> I don't like her attitude. No, you're right. It's a feedback is really, really difficult because, you know, you're forced to criticize. And everybody. But that's just that you shouldn't be criticizing. Yeah, you're, but it, it, I mean, the, the nature of feedback is you're kind of forced to criticize. So how do you criticize without criticizing? And how do you do it in a way where, you know, you're going to get it to go on the right path? It's not easy. Well, let's flip that. All feedback isn't negative. People don't know how to give good feedback either. Well, yeah, the, I mean, it is hard for people to compliment people. Because well, yeah, if I tell you good job, what do you do with that? I don't believe you, right? That's what happens, right? That's the thing that, you know, so I, when I used to coach actors, I used to have a thing where I would say, that's good, that's good. And they would get mad at me because they knew it wasn't good, right? And, I, but it was the way I was ending it, right? And so then after, after, I, after I stopped coaching, I had dinner with a couple of them. They go, why would you always do that? That's when you'd say, that's good, that's gonna go. Uh, you didn't hear the rest of that. I didn't say the rest. Of that. That's good. I'm glad that's over. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. That, you didn't hear me say that's good. You heard me say that's good. That's feedback for you. The part you didn't hear me say was I'm glad that's over because it was awful. But that's part of the learning process. You have to have a safe space for awful. You know, you, you don't get really good at anything unless you're in a safe space to be awful. And that's the challenge. Well, one of the areas that uh, tends to get some of the best discomfort when I'm coaching leaders is right. asking for better quality, good feedback. So once mm. again, if I, if you do something good and I simply say, Roger, good job. Right. Well, what the heck are you supposed to do with that? What yeah. was good about it? You can't do what anything What behavior with it. are you supposed to model again? Right. What am um, I supposed to replicate? Yeah. So being specific. And yeah. this is where sticking to the situation and the impact removes the personality, removes it from being uh, critical, but also gives really concrete evidence of what was positive as well. Roger, yeah. you did a great job presenting that material. It was succinct, you stuck to the time limit and you answered everyone's questions before they even asked them. Right. 
now you have something where you can say, oh, okay, so I'm going to try to do that next time yeah, as well. Yeah, that's right. It becomes specific and, and repeatable. Yeah. Well, what would you want the person who's listened all the way up to this point in the podcast, what would you want them to take away when it comes to leadership? When it comes to leadership, understand there is absolutely no one right way. If anyone is trying to turn you into a completely different person and put other words in your mouth, that's not going to be a successful path for you. You've got to find what um, what works with your personality, what works with your natural skill set, and that might be a specific type of leadership style, and then build up the rest, build up all of your other, uh, you know, skills, tools, try to learn different methodologies, different approaches, and like any other discipline, the more you know, the more you ensure you're not the smartest person in the room, the better you're going to be equipped when something comes at you that was not expected. So that's, you know, and that goes for anything that I teach as well. I don't want to mold everybody into a mini me because I don't have it right 100% of the time either. Mm -hmm. I need to learn from others' experiences and other situations and reflect on how would I have handled that. Maybe I wouldn't have done it the best way with what my gut instinct is either. So I need to learn more. That's great. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Always a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks for having me. And I love that 50% of the proceeds for anyone who wishes to contribute to help animals because that is near and dear to my heart. We love, we love the stray cats and the stray dogs. We do. And uh, we would feed other stray animals uh, if, if we could. We just, I, I, you know, those are the two that tend to be the most that we see stray. Yeah. 